0: anyway, you see, I'd always loved nudity, including nude performances. Because what other pleasures can we get in life except from what is naked? Or in other words, from getting closer and closer to what we call nature. And when Cerise and I were first married, she'd come along to some of those performances. We'd have a few drinks and she'd enjoy herself. But at some point, that stopped. Damn. That, that stuff in the bottle is wonderful, but it doesn't last for
1: very long.
2: Hello, dear.
0: (laughs) God, you look beautiful. How are you, darling?
2: Not too bad.
0: I've missed you so much. Why haven't you come to see me? What are you up to these days?
2: What? I I told you all that yesterday.
0: Really? You did? What do you mean, did I see you yesterday?
2: (laughs) You don't remember seeing me yesterday?
0: Well, I really don't remember yesterday at all.
2: So, you don't remember going to a party in the afternoon?
0: No, no.
2: Well, I told you I've been very busy. I've been traveling all over. Really? Yes. Don't you remember I showed you all the photographs I'd taken on my travels? Really? Yes. Don't you remember I gave you my photograph album and then you forgot all about it and left it behind? Here, I've brought it back for you. Now don't forget to look at it later. It will bring the whole day back to
0: you. Oh good, good. I'm going to put it right here next to my funny little bottle so I don't forget it.
2: He was quite a bit older than me, you see, and I met him when he was around 40, and he just begun producing grain number one in vast quantities, and his company was growing, and he was making money, and, and he, he was becoming, N- I'm, I'm, I'm serious, <laughs> very amusing. No, really, really, people were attracted to him. They found him magnetic delightful. (laughs) I did too. It was such an extraordinary period. Everyone was in such a state of excitement. Everyone was always saying, I I feel so full of life. It it was the time when people wore those um, shimmering fabrics. uh, Silver, gold, red, and, and, and purple. And There were parties where people would just stay up all night long, and he was always at the center of them. People would just cluster all around him as he talked about his work. And then someone would start to play some music, and everyone would dance, and some people would go off into different quiet little rooms together for a while, And then everyone would slowly regroup and gather around him again, and he would talk some more. But then that that period ended, and after that, people grew much more tense. He certainly did, and I did too. Actually, if you're interested in that period, I kept a diary around that time, and I wrote quite a bit about sexual things, and about some of the difficult experiences we'd had. Occasionally, I I just open a little book and read some arbitrary section to myself. Well, uh, Here's one, for example. Please stop! Stop, I shouted loudly as I pulled away. Oh, Oh! Why was I suddenly so incredibly upset? For a moment, I held his face, I looked into his eyes, and then we both fell back, and I lay in one corner of the bed, and he lay in the corner diagonally across from me. And he stared at me horribly and caressed himself with a dreadful expression on his face. And then here's another bit from a time when we were staying in a small inn that we used to go to sometimes, way up in the mountains. It's nice here. A simple bare room. A big bed. Two tiny tables on either side of it. I was drinking water from a metal cup. We were sitting on top of the bed naked. A hot Night outside with thunder rumbling. And as he talked, I thought, well, uh, why should I listen? Because I, uh, I don't know him. But then I heard it the hostility, the hate. It was as if I'd been shot, as if I'd been hit in the belly and there was blood everywhere. Meanwhile, our genitals rested very simply on the bed, as if they were ordinary parts of our bodies, like elbows or feet. Those passages bring back that whole period for me. But you see, it it wasn't entirely in my nature, in any case, to live in a city, to live with a man. I'd get dragged down into all of it, and, and, and I'd start feeling, I don't know, um, nervous, domesticated, imprisoned indoors in all those rooms, and, and, and I'd begin to feel the need to, 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 to just change shape for a while. And so I started taking trips to hot, sunny places, and I'd go to some very clean, very quiet hotel. And in the afternoons, I'd lie under this slowly creaking ceiling fan, <laughs> sometimes quite happy, sometimes crying. And I'd feel my bones and muscles twisting and stretching, and then I'd fall into an incredibly deep sleep. By the way, while I'm speaking to you here and doing a little bit of dramatic reading, I have to ask, do you know this book that I'm reading at the moment, Facts About Cats by L.B. Buttons? Oh, God, I am such a fan. I, I can't help telling everybody about this book. Buttons really understands cats. It's just amazing. Here, 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 listen to this. Cats have wonderful lives. They really like to do the things they do. They like to chase mice, of course. They like to tease mice. They really like to tease them. And everyone knows that they particularly like to punish mice. Whether they're inflicting capital punishment or life imprisonment without the possibility of parole or whatever type of punishment they're inflicting, it's a great life. <laughs> In other words, cats tease mice, they play with them, they punish them, they pummel them, and they eat them. (laughs) But what's not generally known is that cats also sometimes protect mice. They protect them. They comfort them. They pardon them. And sometimes they reward them way beyond what any person would think they deserve. (laughs) That's the thing about nature, isn't it? It provides grace, beauty, and joy quite unexpectedly. It even returns good for evil all the time. Now, Buttons writes quite a lot about the fact that cats can change their form and how all that works, but there's one thing he leaves out of his book for for whatever reason. He doesn't mention the very important fact that cats mate for life. That's right, you heard me. They mate for life, like humans. You see, the bonds that cats form don't ever break, though they may change shape And even though cats have more than one life, well, every time they cross over that barrier of death, they carry those particular connections right along with them.
0: And there she goes. She's gone again. But what was it... What was it that I saw yesterday? It's going to come back to me. And I have to remember to look at Cerise's photographs later. Oh god, I'm addicted to this very silly drink! How crazy is that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I have to tell you, no one who hasn't made money can possibly imagine how exciting it is. If you haven't experienced it, you just can't know how much pleasure you can get from receiving enormous checks. I mean, at that moment, when I was in my early 40s and the checks really started pouring in, I just felt that everything, everything was there to be taken. Whatever I wanted, I could have. It was all for me.
3: Well, hello, sweetheart. Oh,
0: wonderful, wonderful. I met Robin at a time when the company's sales had become exponential. But most people were still only vaguely aware of us. My name certainly was hardly known at all. And when Robin met me, she'd never heard of me.
3: Well, hello, everybody. How lovely to be speaking with you. Now, how should I say this? I bet that quite a few of you out there are married, and maybe you're even sitting there right now with your husband or your wife, and let's face it, I'm sure that among you married people, many of you have certainly had a love affair or two in the course of your marriage. Isn't that right? After all, when you think about all the trends in the world today, a love affair is hardly Oh wait, hang on, just in case I'm wrong and you're feeling awkward about what I'm saying, well, actually what I meant to say was, I'm sure that you certainly haven't done anything like that, so you won't know what I'm talking about when I refer to the special coziness of waking up in a bed which is really not yours and feeling the touch of your skin on sheets that aren't yours, and then going with your lover to a neighborhood cafe, which, in a sense, very particularly is yours, even though really is not your neighborhood. Well, people always tell these romantic stories about how they met, (laughs) you know. I was wandering alone in a glade of fir trees deep in the garden of the sacred shrubs, and I heard someone singing to themselves quietly in a sad little voice and I wondered who could be singing so quietly and sadly and ha <laughs> Well, our story wasn't like that at all. <laughs> we met at a party. Like so many people, and at the time I met him, I happened to be terribly worried about this rash I developed, and well, the dermatology office I ordinarily went to was booked for a month, and so at this party, somebody told me, well, that guy over there actually is a doctor, and so I said, please introduce me. And when I met him, I simply begged him to see me, even though he told me he really wasn't practicing anymore and just did research. Do some on me, I said, even though he was hardly my type. And I think his mind must have started running in some odd direction because when I went to his office the next day, late in the afternoon, he examined me in a very awkward and sort of clumsy manner. There was something unprofessional about the way he moved this rather homemade-looking instrument all around my upper body while constantly bumping into my thigh with what seemed to be this enormous erection. (laughs) And as he looked at my rash, she was talking compulsively about his wife and his marriage, laughing nervously again and again at his own remarks. At any rate, I was quite relieved when he finally prescribed some lotions and cream and the appointment was over. And then we went out together into the grey light of dusk.
0: The night I examined Robin in regard to that rather minor dermatological problem, Cerise was far away, lying on some beach in Greece. And Robin's husband, Mike, happened to have been held over in Japan. Some problem in his company. They were based there, you know. And so without much discussion, Robin and I walked out of my office together. And then we walked down the street together. And then somehow we found ourselves walking into a very quiet restaurant that we happened to pass, and we had some dinner there and drank some wine. And after dinner, both of us drunk, we resumed our walk, and we came to a neighborhood neither of us knew. We wandered through tangles of narrow streets and explored and talked, and as we seemed to be caught in a sort of cul-de-sac by a large park, she suddenly said something which I found quite insulting. She said, I think you're a shit because I think you just want to use me to get away from your wife. Or words to that effect. And we stood still in the street and and stared at each other. There was no one else around. No one awake in the city but us, it seemed. Her face had the clarity of water "'At dusk. "'Splash!' I struck it lightly. "'Splash! Splash!' "'I grabbed her shirt by the neck with both hands, "'and there were tiny little clicks "'as a button delicately fell to the street "'and rolled and hit the side of a building and stopped. "'I opened my mouth and went for her neck. "'I could see my face as a dog's face. "'Then... Her face became a dog's face, too. Her jaws open, teeth bared. We went into the park. I pulled down my trousers, and I was sucked inside her with a slurping noise almost before we hit the ground. My hands pulled grass as we banged back and forth in the wet mud. Then we got up slowly, genitals dripping, and covered ourselves. Right outside the park there was a small hotel. We went in, went up to a room, and without stopping to turn on the light, we found the bed, pulled our clothes down, and fucked once again. Then she fell into a deep sleep, but I lay beside her, twisting around. When I got up and put on the clothes I'd just been wearing, my underpants felt like a Disordered room where a party had been held. The champagne and confetti not yet cleared away. I washed my face. It was 2 a.m. Suddenly she woke up and looked at me. I said in a whisper, I'm sorry I disturbed you. Just go back to sleep. I'm stepping out for a minute.
3: He slipped out of the room like a fish, swimming silently through aisles of coral. How long did I lie there? Water was dripping from a washcloth in the bathroom.
0: I fell back asleep. Without knowing why, I went back into the park and I started to run. Rain was pouring down. I was in a forest. Horses were wandering through a lake. I mounted one of them, and we rode off through the trees in the freezing rain at an incredible speed. My clothes were soaked, even my shoes. Branches roughly scratched my face as we rode on and on faster and faster, apparently traveling into the deepest wilderness where the trees were almost terrifyingly large. Suddenly I saw a light glowing in the distance. It was a huge castle. I rode up to it, got off my horse, found a door, and went inside. I was reeling, dizzy. Everything was... Dark and cold. Then there was a room. No light at all, but chairs were placed at an enormous table, and one of them was empty, so I sat down in it. Then I started to be able to see a bit, and I saw that sitting next to me there was a white cat with a striped face and small twirling eyes. And she was so beautiful that when I looked at her, for a moment I felt I was going to pass out. Then I could see that seated at the table there were dozens of cats, all naked except for the ribbons around their necks. Clearly the white cat beside me, though, was different from the others, because unlike the green ribbons which the others wore, her ribbon was red. The room was filled with a hollow jingling sound because the ribbons of the cats were decorated with bells and the smell of the room was sharp and salty. Then, a uniformed waiter brought me a large white plate holding three mice served whole in a creamy sauce. The mice lay nestling in a circle of rice and the rice in turn was rimmed by a crust of small vegetables. My stomach immediately began to turn over, and in a panic I cried out to the white cat beside me. "'Please!' I said. "'You see, I'm terribly sorry to be impolite, but I can't eat mice. "'You see, in the place I come from, we don't eat mice. We... "'A guard grabbed my shoulders and another servant pressed my right forearm flat against the table, palm down. Then, the white cat beside me slowly picked up a scalpel-like knife and drew a line with it across the back of my hand. There was a short silence, and then agonizing pain started to pour out of the wound. For a moment, the white cat stared at the neat little slit with its rapidly flowing blood. Then she dragged the back of her paw across the wound, and it was sealed off. Then she licked the blood off her paw. And after that, I wasted no time in starting to eat. The meat was delicious. Tart savory, and they cooked their mice rare. Imitating the others at the table, I saved the head for last and ate it in one bite. And imitating the others again, I dropped the tails into one of several small buckets set out on the table. At a certain point in the meal, I felt the white cat's paw move onto my leg. Playing with my testicles humorously and slowly, she watched me eating the mice, a drunken, drowsy expression wavering on her face. Then, somehow, her paw had extracted my member from inside my trousers, and my astonished penis was completely enclosed in a warm coat of indescribable coziness such as travelers dream of on snowy nights. When I turned toward her, all of a sudden she stared into my eyes, penetrating me so deeply and fully that I felt turned inside out, and she just kept on looking at me. My God, finally, finally to be known I thought, as hot sperm flowed out of me, flowing over her paw as if it would never stop, to be seen and known. I was weeping with gratitude. But, of course, it was funny, too, as I tried to use my dinner napkin with my left hand for my eyes and nose, as well as for my penis, which was now dripping onto the stone floor below me, while at the same time I pretended with my right hand still to be eating my meal. Finally, she gave my arm a little tug. And I followed her out through a swinging door, then up some flights of stairs and down some hallways to a tiny dark bedroom, where, sitting beside her on a rather gorgeous bedspread on a large bed, I buried my face in her neck, my tears flowing freely once again, her bony little shoulder just touching my cheek. As I moved above her, I was sweating and trembling, my member slowly finding its way through her unfamiliar fur and attempting penetration. For quite a while I was pressing gently against something hard, twisting and turning to no avail, and I was horribly afraid in my state of excitement that I'd come too soon. Then something suddenly unlocked inside her. My penis went in with ease. And we made love, until an intense orgasm came up from my toes and I completely blacked out. I awoke quite quickly, or I felt I did, and I found my hands exploring the fur of her face, her whiskers, mouth, tongue. My love, my love, I murmured again and again. Then I lay back against some pillows and she found herself a comfortable spot where she could sit on top of me, her little asshole almost touching my navel. I noticed a large bottle of champagne on the night table next to the bed with an empty bowl beside it. I opened the bottle with a loud pop and poured some champagne into the bowl. She walked across me, lowered her head, and drank. And then I drank too. And while I drank, she was licking my chest and my palm, my fingers, and my hand stained the sheets with cat and champagne. When I came back outside, the horse was waiting, and the trip back through the forest seemed to take only moments. Leaving the horse in the park, I soon was creeping back into the silent hotel room where Robin was sleeping. Dawn was just beginning to break. Robin rolled over in bed. I got in beside her and hugged her and kissed her. My darling, I said. My darling, my darling.
3: I slowly woke up to the sound of his voice. I turned on the lights and dressed in front of him.
0: I was astounded, obviously, by the amount of hair which surrounded her cunt. My heart pounded and swelled.
1: by Wallace Shawn. I'm Andre Gregory, and I directed the production. The actors were Wallace Shawn as Ben, Julie Haggerty as Cerise, Jennifer Tilly as Robin, and Emily Cass McDonald as Rose. Bruce Odland was the composer, engineer, designer, editor, and podcast director. The mezzo-soprano was Hai Ting Chin. Mastering was by Mark Fuller. Many thanks to Rob Wiener, Paul Simon, the Royal Court Theatre, Dominic Cook, Oscar Eustace, and Jeffrey Horowitz. These podcasts were produced by Mac Rogers and Sean Williams of Gideon Doubt